from Absolutely Productions. This is Branchburg with Brendan and Corey. Dad? Yeah, what is it, Sean? Our teacher said we have to give this letter to our parents. Oh, okay. Dear Branchburg Middle School parents, I am the principal of Branchburg Middle School, and I formally invite you to attend tomorrow's unveiling of the tomb of the unknown bus driver. This tomb memorializes the unknown bus driver who tragically passed away last week while waiting for the students to leave school. I was the one who found this anonymous bus driver slumped over on his steering wheel. And knowing the students would be leaving soon, I immediately made the decision to cremate him in the art room's kiln. Since then, I have been working day and night to fittingly honor this man I could not identify, as well as honor the countless number of unknown bus drivers who die in the line of duty each year. Wait, Carol, this is Sean's bus driver who died, right? Wasn't his name Frank? The tomb of the unknown bus driver will be the most powerful monument in the history of the Branchburg School District. It is a decommissioned school bus with a large red question mark painted on the outside. Designed by 6th grader Cheryl Fox, who won the school-wide tomb designing competition. Located on the front lawn of Branchburg Middle School, the tomb will remind us that just because we do not know someone's name, That doesn't mean they can't impact our lives. Yeah, his name was definitely Frank. He had a name tag. Inside the tomb, an urn containing the unknown bus driver's ashes will be buckled into the driver's seat. When this happens again, the next unknown bus driver's ashes will be buckled into the seat behind him, and so on. If the entire bus becomes filled with bus driver ashes, then a second bus will be placed right beside it. An ever-growing monument of the faceless warriors who drive our students to school. Wait, Sean, who drives you to school now? The janitor. The janitor? This tomb will be guarded by our vice principal. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, in any weather, including tornadoes. He will march around the perimeter of the bus, holding a grenade. When he is unable to, it will be guarded by the detention kids. Detention... Wait, Sean, is the janitor a good driver? He picks his friends up from the diner. The ceremony will start at 10 a.m., beginning with our middle school band playing taps. Seventh grader Johnny Chapman has graciously volunteered to do a 21-gun salute, and I will lay the ceremonial wreath onto the grill of the bus. All students on the unknown bus driver's route are required to wear black veils and hold candles. We welcome your attendance. We gotta get Sean a veil? Why is... Whatever. Sean looks like Dad's coming to school with you tomorrow. I'm over-caffeinated and underpaid, but I work hard all week. So as soon as I get home Friday, it's time for bed. I don't wake up for 24 hours. When I finally do wake up, I'm drenched in sweat, extremely confused. I don't know what day it is. Is it Christmas? I run outside, grab a small boy by the shoulders. Boy, what day is it? He begins to cry. His mother sprays me with mace. I shriek, fall backward headfirst into a garbage bin. 
Now I'm stuck. Someone's dog tries to rip my shoe off. The dog succeeds. Now I've got one shoe. Several hours pass and I'm still in the garbage bin fading in and out of consciousness as the blood rushes to my head. I'm having hallucinations where I see God. God's only four feet tall. Quiet. Wants advice on how to talk to his crush. Eventually I resign myself to thinking this might just be how I spend my weekend. From the desk of Mayor Barbara the Fridge Braskin. Please remember to shovel all ice and snow from your sidewalks within 12 hours of daylight, unless notified otherwise. Property owners have a legal obligation to keep their sidewalks clean, safe, and ice-free. Failure to do so will result in a controlled demolition of your car or truck. Thank you and stay warm. I'll never forget where I was on September 11th. I was running late for work, and I happened to have the news on. I never have the TV on in the morning, but for whatever reason, that morning I did. When the anchorman first said there had been an attack on one of the towers, it felt like time had stopped. And then as soon as I saw footage of the first plane crashing into the World Trade Center, I immediately thought, well, the Mafia's back. Looks like they're up to their old tricks again. I I can't say I was surprised either. Giuliani ran them out of Times Square. You think there weren't going to be any repercussions for that? No one crosses the Mafia and gets away with it. I I was certain the five families were behind this, all teaming up to fight one common enemy. Of course, I didn't really follow the story too closely after that morning, so it took me a while before I heard the official line was that it was Al-Qaeda. This led to some trouble with my neighbors in the days that followed. Whenever we'd walk past each other, we'd shake our heads in dismay. Then I'd say goddamn mafia and they'd say what and i'd say the mafia is responsible for what happened to the world trade center then they try to strangle me haven't really been able to repair our relationship since they see me as the guy who was walking around town in the days after 9-11 saying the mafia did it which you know they're they're not wrong and i'll be honest I, i i still think it was the mafia They killed JFK and Abe Lincoln. You're you're telling me they can't blow up some building? I I mean, just think about it. The flight departed from Boston. You know who was in Boston at the time? Whitey Bulger. Yeah, that Whitey Bulger. Who cleaned up the rubble at Ground Zero? That's right. People in unions. Look, I know the FBI ruled the mafia out almost right away, but come on, do they really expect me to believe it was some religious wackos 3,000 miles away and not someone in our own backyard? The government was just looking for an excuse to bomb Iraq and Afghanistan. I I was against that from the beginning. We should be bombing Long Island, because that's where the mafia is. The Pentagon? Eh, that one might have been Al-Qaeda. I don't really know what the mafia would have to gain by destroying the Pentagon. It hasn't been easy believing this. My kids beg me not to talk about it. 9-11 is a sensitive issue around here since Branchburg is only about 90 minutes away from where it happened. Perhaps if I was from somewhere like, uh, I don't know, Nebraska, my my theory would be a bit more warmly received. Maybe I'd be given an honorary degree or something, but here in Branchburg, you just get people spitting on your lawn and knocking your hat that says, investigate the mafia off your head at the supermarket. In fact, the Branchburg Fire Department has me banned from our town's 9-11 memorial. It's this actual steel beam from the towers, and I had been dusting it for the prince of mafia-made men. I guess some people are just afraid of the truth. The mafia won't shut me up, though. Although they've tried. I got bronchitis last year. 
and I know they're just waiting at the barbershop, waiting to slice my neck the way they do. So now my wife cuts my hair on the front porch with gardening shears. She doesn't know what the hell she's doing, but better her than them. Yep, it's all right in front of us. You just gotta put the pieces together. Thankfully, there's a small community of us on Facebook who believe. Well, at least there was, until we got sidetracked and started disagreeing about aliens. Now at this point, you might be wondering who I am. Well, I'm Dr. Richard Farber, owner of Branchburg LASIK Eye Surgery. We're the top-ranked LASIK eye surgery in Somerset County, and we would be thrilled to have you as our customer. If you repeat everything I just said back to me, you get one eye free. And if you're someone who has evidence connecting the Mafia to the 9-11 attacks, that's both eyes free. Branchburg LASIK Eye Surgery. Don't lose sight of anything. That's a uh, great costume. Oh, oh, oh! Thank you. So just uh, one chicken burrito, correct? Yes. Okay, that'll be seven twenty-five. What? No free burrito for Santa? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I could. Maybe if it was December. But I give the world joy and Christmas spirit. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's uh, that's true. Uh, but it, it's uh, seven twenty-five. Ho ho ho! Look. There are many children here, and if I were to say, walk over to that little girl over there and remove my beard and hat, she would be devastated to learn that Santa Claus isn't real, would she not? I'm sorry, what are you saying? From the moment I walked into your establishment, every child has yet to take their eyes off me. What if I were to, oh, I don't know, stand on that table, reveal my name is Todd, and fracture every child's sense of reality in the process? The children! And forced to internalize a sense of betrayal by society's collective lie! A seed of nihilism planted inside every child under the age of seven's brain! Tell me, Assistant Manager Brian, what will that seed grow into? Ten? Twenty? Thirty years down the road? I... What would your company's policy be if you knew this was going to happen and you had the chance to stop it, but didn't? Is that not worth the price of a seven-dollar burrito? Are you robbing us? I'm presenting you with a choice. You can either give me a free burrito and have the magic and wonder which follows Santa Claus everywhere continue to fill this establishment. Or you can have a child's nightmare unfold in front of everyone. Which will Chipotle choose? Excuse me, I asked for no onions on my burrito and mine had the onions. Oh, take it! Nothing like a good old snow day. Just a lazy morning staying inside. I didn't do a damn thing. I really needed a day like today. Oh no, the sidewalk! Wait! Wait! Get that C4 off my car! Look, I'm here! I'm here! I'm juggling! I'm juggling! What? What? God, my handle broke! No, 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 look, I can still do it! I can still look, look! Ah! 
Oh God, my car! How am I supposed to get Lasix tomorrow? I memorized my lines and everything! I only got half an inch of snow. You're at home pre-tying all your shoes when you hear the muffled sound of a trumpet nearby. You've never heard such a sound in your neighborhood before. Has the mayor died? It's too close for comfort, so you open your garage door and walk outside to investigate. Soon you realize the noise is coming from inside your own car. Your heart begins to race, and you throw up several times. As you wipe your mouth and approach your car, you notice a small boy sitting in the back seat holding a trumpet. It's your neighbor's son, Terrence, who just joined fourth grade band. He is at the age the school board deems students responsible enough to choose their own instrument, and apparently for Terrence, every joy, trauma, and life lesson has led him to pick the trumpet. He sits in your car practicing scales in a crude procession. You knock on the window. Terrence only cracks the door slightly, and through it you politely ask why he's playing in your car. He explains his dad has a tough job, and unwinds by playing Wii Sports deep into the night. He doesn't want to interrupt him. He then slams your car door and turns back to his sheet music. You look across your street to your neighbor's home. Sure enough, on the second floor you notice the silhouette of a grown man imitating the act of water skiing. You can see he's moved the desk and all of the furniture to one side of the room. You sigh. You wish the boy chose some other neighbor's car, but then again, you do leave yours unlocked for quick access, in case you see something on television you want to buy. Plus, you can tell the boy is determined, and his respect for his father shows character. You've noticed not many children his age are like this, and you would be a fool to not encourage it. You agree to let your neighbor's son practice in your car, and soon the two of you develop a routine. As soon as you pull into your driveway after work, Terrence bursts out of his front door and sprints towards your car to practice for the evening. This goes on for weeks. During mid-fall, the temperature begins to drop, so you start lending Terrence the valet keys to keep the car heated while he practices. One morning, you walk outside and find Terrence still in your car. He's wearing the same clothes as yesterday, his hair is disheveled, and it's clear he flossed with the seatbelt. When you open the door to explain it's your turn to use the car, he begins crying about how his timesheet isn't completed, and he'll get a C if he doesn't practice for another hour. He promises that another hour is all he needs. You sigh, and decide to give him his space. You remember being obsessed over your grades at that age. If you got above a B, your parents rewarded you by dropping you off by yourself to eat dinner at the local diner. Those grades then led you to a good job, and being late for work won't dock your pay. An hour later, you return to your driveway to find your car missing. A tire track slightly veers from your driveway and onto your lawn, and your mailbox is now knocked over. Terrence missed the bus practicing, so he drove your car to school. You feel betrayed by your neighbor's son and think about calling the police, but you stop mid-thought when you then imagine a scenario where the police ask Terrence how he obtained the keys for your car. You go back inside and call in sick to work. Of course, you quickly forgive Terrence when he returns your car with a full tank of gas. Your relationship is restored. Months go by without incident, and his playing significantly improves. Despite only hearing three blind mice in that time, you're impressed. You now find in your most quiet moments, the song plays in your head the exact way Terrence rehearses it. You don't mind this, and find it to be an odd sense of comfort. 
but one evening while overhearing Terrence play, the song changes. Something foreign is now in the piece. The change startles you, and you walk outside to investigate. Inside your car sit five other children holding various instruments. They're Terrence's classmates. When you ask what's going on, Terrence explains that they have to play together to get their section right. In the front of your car quietly sits a grown man Terrence introduces as their band teacher. He waves hello. You've finally had enough. Terrence was one thing, but you don't know his guests. You order everyone out, but the only person who obeys is the teacher. He pulls you aside to tell you the interior of your car made the instruments sound just right. Its nylon upholstery absorbed the sound in a way the band room couldn't. It was the perfect soundscape. A symphonic miracle made possible by your 2010 Toyota Corolla. His tone then changes, and he discloses to you that Branchburg Elementary School is severely underfunded. There are rumors among faculty that band is first on the chopping block. He confesses how most kids who gravitate to band are outsiders. You yourself were an outsider, running past other children on the playground to pick bark off of nearby trees. He breaks you from this fond memory by asking for a favor. If the band can use your car for the upcoming winter concert. It's the biggest concert of the year, and attending will be a county freeholder who helps fund the local Branchburg schools. The perfect sound might just save band. Seeing you're the one most comfortable with the car, he asks if you can sit in the driver's seat at the concert as the brass conductor. You ask him what this means, and he says you'd be responsible for opening the car windows at the appropriate times. You look away to think about it. In your periphery, Terrence's dad is on his back spinning his legs, pretending to mountain bike in front of the upstairs TV. He's lost 30 pounds. Without your car, he wouldn't have gotten to that point, nor would Terrence with his trumpet playing. Why would you want to take all that away now? You say yes, and on the night of the winter concert, you carefully drive your car through the school's hallway and into the gymnasium. Once there, you turn your car off and wait for the band to take their places. You notice in the front row sits the county freeholder. You try not to look at him, as you can feel him glaring at your car. The same glare that won him 52% of the vote in the last election. Soon, it's time. The first note is blown. But when you turn the key as rehearsed, the engine doesn't start. Running the car all fall between you and Terrence finally wore its battery out. The concert was a complete disaster. In the locker room, the band teacher screams at you. He says he was planning to propose to his girlfriend that night, but now that plan is ruined. He's carried out by the superintendent as he tries to attach a nearby defibrillator to himself. You are left stranded in the gymnasium with your dead car as the concert goers leave early. There are no tow trucks small enough to tow your car out, so after everyone is gone, you and the night custodian push it out of the school in neutral. A week later, you learn in the Branchburg News the school's band has been cut down to a single student who can play the triangle. The week after that, she quits to join Mathletes, and the band room is quietly repurposed into a room the principal uses to pray. In the following years, you watch Terrence grow up. He becomes the type of adolescent who only sports buzz cuts. You notice his face slowly grow into that of his father's, who, at a neighbor's barbecue last year, cornered you to disclose he wants to be a race car. You and Terrence now rarely interact, and in the times you do, it's polite, yet distant. One night, you wake up to hear someone playing Three Blind Mice on the trumpet. You run outside, but no one is in your car. 
you wander your neighborhood looking for the source, and two blocks away you discover an old man holding a trumpet. He says he was playing Three Blind Mice because it's his wife's favorite song, and she's locked him out of the house after discovering he's been wearing a wig for 40 years. He's trying to apologize to her, and tells you it could be a long, long night. You decide to stick around to hear the song one last time. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to This is Branchburg with Brendan and Corey. They'll be glad you did.